And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you sit in the world. My name is Michael Filigera. I am uh, the chief cook of battle washer over at LogicalSystems.com and TradersHoppingTraders.com. And a little bit about my history. Um, the title of my presentation today is using Elliot, which is Elliot Wave, and Fibonacci uh, in uncharted territories. And as of late, if, if those of you that trade, uh, for example, the NASDAQ or the S&P or even the Dow, um, all three have moved to new all-time highs uh, more recently. And so what becomes a little bit more difficult during these times is trying to figure out, well, how high can it go? Uh, where is it going to turn? And et cetera, et cetera. So I want to kind of talk about that and show you my methodology of what I use and you come and combining my Elliott with uh, Fibonacci. Um, quite the presenter to follow, I have to say, in that uh, trading an extremely wild uh, and very fast moving market as the NASDAQ future could be, which is one, is my primary market that I trade. I trade in the future where uh, my previously, Trader Mike, uh, was trading in the SQs um, and which have a, incredible daily volume and so it was kind of interesting to watch uh, a little bit on the crazy side and uh i'm sure it's taken many years of just hard hard work and study and putting it all together and following the market uh but that is a clear example of following price action and knowing what happens when certain things roll um so it was very interesting and kind of fun to watch now to slow it down a little bit, because mine's going to be more of a presentation, uh, I do at times do during other presentations that I make along with David and some of his uh, the larger synergy events is I do use a live trading screen and I and we talk about the trading. But right now I'm going to be talking about something a little bit different. So again, let me begin. Um, I have been uh, studying Elliott Wave and using Elliott Wave since 1988. Uh, and my teachers were Robert Prechter and Dana Scani. And uh, I've had the privilege of developing a really good relationship and a friendship with Dana Scani over my years. And we have published together, Elliot and Fib. Um, we have worked together in, in, in a trade room that I have. Um, and so we've been able to really combine our forces there. But then I've used it throughout my trading career. I have been a, a market maker. On the Pacific Coast here in San Francisco, where I live, I've also been a market maker on the London traded options market in London, on the European options exchange in Amsterdam, and on the DTB, which is the German exchange in uh, Germany. Um, that DTB experience is what opened me up to my first experiences with a lot electronic trading. I came back to the United States in 1997, went back to the Pacific Coast. And when the turn of the millennium came and everything started to really slow down, um, it, it became more difficult to actually stand on the floor and try to trade options when everything was really electronic. So I left the floor, continued to trade, and then ended up in 2013 uh, becoming a day trader. So that's been my game plan since. Uh, but being a day trader involves, again, a whole set of givens. And something that I've always done and continue to do is to do analysis of uh, the markets using Elliott Wave and Fibonacci. So that brings me to today and how I'm using it 
currently all the way down on a two minute chart up to what I'm starting with here on the weekly chart. So if anybody who's also studied Elliott Wave, you're going to realize that Elliott himself, who wrote all the all the, the works, talked about that if you're going to begin, you've got to start with the largest time frame of data that you can get. Now I can, and particularly with the with the SP, go up to a monthly chart, a monthly maximum. And I think in the futures market, I've got data back to 1985. If I go over to the cash market, which is the SPX, that data, that data goes back to 1928. So you can see that I can get a very, very large amount of data. And therefore, I've got very large moves. Now, currently, I am counting all of this. I'm going to go back down the weekly chart. I'm counting all of this as that the market has completed uh, um, that the market has completed a cycle degree third wave up there at the high that we saw in January of 2022. And actually, all this up isn't that interesting? Hmm. I found that very because I'm in the. Let me go back to the ES. Sorry about that. Um, where where I did clean it up, and you're going to see that the chart is clean. So a cycle degree third wave, and therefore we began a cycle fourth wave correction. Now actually studying Elliot, you're going to understand that if we're in a corrective pattern, how is it going to unfold? It's going to fold, unfold as an ABC. Uh, but what we're really looking at for a cycle degree fourth wave, it unfolds in an ABC on the primary degree. So first one down, we have an A wave, and now we're in a B wave, primary B wave, and then we still have a primary C wave to go. So you begin to build your picture of where things now you begin to put in your fibs, you'd have to go all the way back to as much data as you can get. If you're looking for a fourth wave, I have to go back out. Let me see if I can capture it. I can't capture it on, I believe I can. No, because it doesn't really exist. So I went again, I'm gonna show you, that's why I went out to the month, uh, to the SPX chart to get my first lines to where I felt that this market could correct back to. and. Um, to save time, I'm not going to go quite that. I'm going to go back to my weekly chart and just figure that we realize that we're going to go down in an ABC on a primary degree. It's the one that's labeled in the green. If I'm going to go, okay, what's it going to be in primary wave A? It's also going to be an ABC, but of intermediate degree. So I'm going down one degree, and that's an ABC again. So once I got this ABC, and this low was the October of 2022 low, and it was a major low. And there was a lot of talk, and 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 what really kicked it off was that there were some major firms that came out and said the market is extremely oversold, and that boom, that was the catalyst, and boom, off we went in in a recovery uh, rally. But at that time, I knew I was going to come down in an A, and then go up in a B, and come back down in a C. So where can I go within this B wave? So I began to put in. We use uh, Fibonacci retracement. So the retracement is for the B wave is it's how far it's going to retrace within the parameters. So we begin to just kind of look going from here that we have going to go take a don't sell. We're looking for a B wave. And the most common that you're going to see for a B wave are 382, 50%, and 62%. So that'd be of the decline. So here we are. We had just put in a low at 3502. Market started to lift off. And as soon as it got high enough, then I put in, figuring that that was a solid low, put in my uh, fibs to draw attention to where I believe the B wave could come. Now, during this, it's going to go through several iterations because we understand that in a corrective phase that you could have, there's two 
basic structures. One is zigzag, which is going to be a 5-3-5. So the A wave's 5, B wave's 3, the C wave is 5, a zigzag. And then there's going to be a flat where you get an ABC flat. So it pulls an ABC. But the B wave will also hold within the price territory of what you've just done. And so those are the two. So you start to build your numbers as to where the market can. So you get 382.5618. Then what I also included is that because it's three waves down, an ABC down, not a 535 ABC, and then it pulls it back out and it included one additional that Elliot had talked about, and that is the irregular B wave. And what that signifies or what that discusses is that the potential, now again, when I was putting it up, at this time, there was absolutely no indication that the markets <clears throat> could go that high. So what we have from there, we have, I'm going to put these up, is we have 1.236 and 1.382. And this is, I'm telling you now, because these are important, that you could had that heads up back in October of 2022. Now, even at the time when I presented them, I did say, this is not what I'm expecting. We have a lot of ground to cover before that type of a move would come into play. But as we progressed out, it started to pick up steam and it and I started to include it in my conversations or in my uh, my own personal updates that I make. And then truly when it, this bottomed in October of 2023, it really took over in terms of that we we were I was starting to look for new all-time highs, but still within the context of a corrective B wave. And now I'm just going to start to bring this down because what happens uh, when you start to get up there, right? We got it all covered up to that high, which we had it covered up to this high, which actually this is what happens is 4808 was the was the high on the weekly. But as we move forward, we're now in a March contract. So that all time high was actually higher. But I leave this here because that is the high that we needed to work with, even though the March contract. So if I take this back and you're looking at it, it would still fit all the way up to when the March comes. So that's why I just wanted to explain. So coming back down, we're on the daily chart and we had that. So as we're starting to climb in here and then there started within it, I got a couple of uh, signals. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with this big breath indicator. And what that is, it's really taking a look at the advanced decline or the breadth of the market. And, and what we had was two instances where that breadth indicator was triggered. And when that gets triggered, it's normally what it's telling us is that within 16 to uh, within a year to a year and a half, the market will be between 15 and 25 percent higher than where the trigger point. So that was the trigger there. And it triggered again here. Well, we take a look at where we are and we definitely that got fulfilled. So that gave me another clue that we are likely going to be going to new highs. So, but I already had these numbers, 5116 to 5307. So I'm continuing to use those. But now as I start to come down and I'm just going to really bring it down to my four hour chart, we've got the A, we've got the B. So now I know I'm in an intermediate C wave up to complete this B wave. And what's going to be inside of that C wave are five waves of minor, of which I have one, two, three, four. And as these continue to play out, I continue to realize that we are going to go to new all-time. And in fact, via the, the uh, futures market, we did that back in December, where we started to break to new all-time. 
we correct it as if well, maybe that could have been it, but realizing the ulterior, the alter, realizing the outside count, excuse me, then I realized that it ran to three and that we were going to get minor fifth wave. Now, we're up in uncharted waters. In fact, if we were here and this hadn't happened, we were up in uncharted territory. And now I need to start to figure out, well, what, where can it go? How high can it go? Well, there are a lot of Fibonacci relationships that go in between the the Elliot or go along with Elliot. Uh, one of the major ones that, that you can use, again, I'll pull it back out because I'm going to start adding those and we'll see how I build my picture. So we, I, yeah, we're going to go first to, to wave C. And so you put in extensions, right? Because what I'm looking for, what not necessarily that the wave is extending, but they're extensions in terms of what the system. So I'm taking wave A, and now I want to start to put down the parameters of what I think wave C. So here we have them. And the most common, the most common relationship between a C wave is to the A wave. So what's still in progress, it's most common is, re is relatable to this one. And so as soon as that was done and we started to get this lift off, you could run that calculation and realize that your first one is 40, 40, 4809. So this is barely above. And so realizing that the C wave needed to go higher, you know, it was there, but it's not the most common. The most common is 100%. So I'm already looking for this thing to climb out of all of this. And that wave C would be equal to wave A at 5180. Now we're starting to progress. So it's one, two, three, and four. And now we're in minor wave five. Well, there's another calculation chart. Open this up, side three, four, and now we're in the fifth. And we have the the calculation or the relationship is a fifth wave. How do we measure out a fifth wave, particularly now when we're in everything is new all-time highs, new time highs? Well, the relationship would be is that the fifth wave is going to be compared to the first wave. Now, this is a minor fifth wave, so I'm going to compare it to the minor first wave. So once again, I take down and I build my picture. And now I can see once again, 618, not the most common. The most common is 100%. And that is coming in at 49.92, which we just have recently gotten above. In fact, we got above it on February the 2nd. We inched above it, came back down. And so now I'm going to come down again, and I'm going to look on an hourly chart, because what we need to do uh, the 30 so I can see the whole thing. So you can see how we've gone from that bigger chart. Now we're down inside the, the individual moves. Now, the thing about Elliott Wave to remember is that it's a series of building blocks. So no matter you're starting at your largest degree, but you're always going to work down, right? So that when when we're counting what's inside, what's inside. So example, in, in a cycle degree, fourth wave, what's inside? An ABC of primary degree, well, what's inside that A wave? An ABC of intermediate degree, what's inside that C wave? An intermediate C wave of primary are going to be five waves of minor degree. So you count those out and you count them up. And as each one comes in, like this was a double ABC to fit uh, wave four, and then we start up again. So even if we're looking at the minute wave one, what's going to be inside five, one, two, three, four, five. Okay. What's going to be in wave two and ABC, A, B, C, two. What's going to be in wave three, same deal, all the way up. Here we have right there, an additional irregular fourth wave. Because this, you could tell this is all very sloppy. It's all very corrective. It's not impulsive. So it's an A, a B, and a C. The C wave was impulsive as it should have been. Now, once again, I'm going to build with Fibonacci. So there are a couple of places that you could put in. You can start to look at 
wave three down to wave four to give you some wave five. But being an irregular, it's not going to be as that. So that one I don't necessarily use. But what I can use is now um, if I'm count counting out minute wave five, I can start to build my numbers. I'm going to take out that signal there. It isn't, it isn't. Uh, so it's quite confusing and looks like super complex. It, it truly isn't. If you just get the if you get the basics and then you follow them, you'll be able to put your own fibs in and you and you'll be able to then. Um, but I understand. Um, so once again, I'm going to use that same calculation of wave five as it compares to wave. Um, once I get that all in place, I'm going to talk about the internal relations and how they come all so through. <clears throat> so now I have got several levels at all these different. And I can now go through and explain them. So here, this is for this minute fifth. Here, this is for the minor fifth. Here is the larger, the largest, the, the B wave. And this is for the C wave. So I've got all my resistance levels lined up. So how am I going to use that? Because here we are, anything up here above this level, we're in, we're in new uncharted territory. Never been up here before. How are you going to find resistance? Well, I use Fibonacci. And it's and this is a series of logical steps, basically. So here, I, I will say that we're in that fifth wave. So initially, my calculations were, and I called out the resistance, 49.92, right there, and then 5,002. Both have been exceeded. So I can do the following. I go in, just because I need to clean up my chart. Ah, sorry, we're here. Two. And here, I leave that in because it's a support level. But now, because I'm trying to determine upside, I'm going to remove it. I can always put it back. Now I'm getting a clear picture. Of what's the potential for the market over the, the near term? So again, what I have is minute wave five. It's already exceeded 100%. So what's the next step? Five, 5,088. And Remember that each one, it all follows pattern because that fifth wave is going to consist of five waves of, of one, two, and maybe, maybe wave three might be a little new. Then we can put on additional uh, Fibonacci for as this move progresses. So again, bringing this back, what I can say to begin with is that all of the givens for the minor have actually been. So as each one of these completes, it will in turn complete, which will in turn come as we go. So for the C wave, yeah, 5187, but what really comes down to become more important with that particular move was going to be the structure. The structure will take precedence over that because really what, what Elliot writes is that a C wave should always take out the high or the low, depending on direction of the A wave in the sequence. And it did. It did quite a while. So that's been met. Now I'm working on structure. Let's see if once I can count flaves up, it's clean and all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, so to speak. Then I'm going to realize that, well, I should be able to get in there. And when I meet up with resistance, so again, bringing it back down to that lower chart, what I'm now looking for is clusters to where this could, like right now, there's a small cluster right here for minute wave at 5,000, because it's close, if it should just pop a little bit and get up closer to 5,100, then there's a small cluster. One is to complete the minute wave five, which I already know that minor wave five would, would complete right there because the structure is done. Now, in honesty, what I'm thinking is that we have one, two in this third way. I think we get a strong enough pop and it gets closer to there. So we'll just be completing wave three. Well, understanding Elliot, you know that there has to be five. Within this minute wave five, there has to be five waves. If I only got one, two, three, four, five, 
Well, these become very realistic. If we should find we're in a situation where the market finds its legs, or there's some some catalyst that's going to start to drive it even higher, for example, NVIDIA's earnings or you know something that comes from the Fed or just some other positive uh, flow that's going to push the market even higher, then we we start to look and go, if it breaks below, uh, let's, for example, minute wave five, it, the level before we can count five breaks above 5,008. Well, if we're following Fibonacci, the next level for that is 2.61. So first we have equality, which it exceeded. Then we have 1.618. It's the second most common. The third most common is actually 0.61 exceeded that a long time. So that's out. And then it moves up to 2.61. And it's really just, it's it's a product of multiplying Fib numbers to get these upper levels. So, but they they work, they follow. And as I say, if I'm giving you these in an update, I am not saying that that is where the, but technically these are the Fibonacci level. And so what I'm also going to try to do is find where do they all pull it out so we can see these going back just to that four hours. So here, this is wave C and this is, excuse me, Oh, that was the alt. Actually, can get because we're just up here because everything else. So sorry about. That. So I can understand how it could be confusing. So you do have to be careful together. So here we moved out. This is that B wave, which is so that one we know is the top, the top level. But now we're looking at to see how realistic. And now you're beginning to see it can be very real and even higher. The green one is point one point three eight two. So that's most common. That's second in an irregular situation. Irregular irregular B waves happen on all degrees. This one just happens to be on a primary degree. So here we are, we're sitting up here. Now, putting that back. So we have a little bit of a cluster right there in terms of the new wave five and the primary B wave. Why does that become a de definitive cluster that complete the whole picture? Well, if it completes prime, uh, minute wave, it in turn will be completing, and in turn will be completing the C wave, and therefore in turn, so, but if the market continues to move, if the market continues to go higher, then what we're looking is additional levels where we find cluster. For example, right here, 5170, we have a cluster for the minute wave, for the minor wave, and for the C wave. That becomes, if this doesn't stop it, this becomes high to be somewhere in between all of the market, the move. Again, if it continues to break, we would be in, I'll bring it so that you can see, we would be in extended minute fifth wave. And that truly, we're back up here. And if it continued to extend blow off style, and you really are looking at 5306. There's some that even have additional numbers above and they actually print them out there. It's like, well, that's where the S&P is going to be. And I'm, I don't go quite that far. There's one that's a 1.618 on an irregular basis, where that B wave would become 1.61 times the length of the A wave here. So you have 1.61 for this wave being 1.61 native. Not common, not common. Impossible? Absolutely not. That is something that I have learned over my years never to say. Never will say, never can. That's never going to. I think it's like, well, it does. But it's not what I would be expecting. So the mark would have to cleanly break above 5307, basically 5463 which again puts us minor degree. and this then is the c wave so the c wave if it goes full bore you got 58 12 up here at the top if if it's just going to stick to the minor degree and it goes full bore you've got 5463 now let me just put in an additional level and you can see how yeah it could, it could and that would be that 2.61 or actually 1.61 
that's up at 56. So there are people saying 5,500. I can see how they come up with those numbers. If they're using Fibonacci, I come back down to the four-hour chart. I do see them. So in A4C, I have for minor wave five at 53, but close to 100. And the one point period, 50, you've got a big cluster. But you see how they start to space out? The higher you get, the less resistance you're going to. It's what I would call like a black hole, because oftentimes when you're even looking at your long-term chart, what you're looking at, you're looking left. Again, if I were to clear all that out, you're looking left. There isn't any. The high was the, for this sequence was 4808. We're above 5,000. You have to go start looking left. So even if I drop it down and just go to this weekly chart, I look left, nothing there. So we get into a black hole. So what you, you must have a methodology. How are you going to measure where all of this is going? Randomly pick a number in your hat? That's kind of weird. It's not something I would do. So again, we're just kind of looking at what can, can what's possible. And in the index, I have noticed there, there are a lot of differences in what the wave patterns are doing as it relates to how Elliot really wrote the whole theory. But there are a lot of very basic ones, and they're basically, they're more based on price action, which is what the, por the for uh, previous presenter, Trader Mike, what he was talking about. That's price action. And he's talking about when price action goes in and absorbs, what happens next? Is that if you watch it long enough, you'll see they hit that and they build it to go up five cents. And then he showed you over and over again how that came through and how that worked. That's just, you know, that I would think that, that you know, what it is, is just experience. And it can be very valuable experience because he, he kept presenting it and he was showing you in real time how often it continues to happen in both directions. Now, when I'm using it, even when I'm going all the way down, because I have to tell you, when I'm trading, these are the charts. That, and I actually, I have I have totally different charts because I'm trading on um, this. And now what you're going to see is a different screen, but this is my trading screen. And on my trading screen, it is, these, these are a two minute, a one minute, a five minute, and a 15 minute. And I'm using the same factors, but now I've added some additional because I'm playing these smaller. So what I have in here are things such as moving averages. I have a volume order volume profile, which presents to me the outer bands, which which basically are the high and low from Globex and also within our own session. But those are the, are the range, the daily range. This would be value area high. That's the point of control. That's value area low. If you know how to use those, they, they do change as the market does, but they come into play. The point of control is, is nothing that more than that signifies the point in the market where buyers and sellers freely meet and, and do trans. So that's the easy place to transact. There are the, the heaviest, the, the most volume of our day is going to go right there. And you can see it on the 15th. Open that up. You can see we right there. It's all the way out. So the most volume today has taken place <clears throat> up at the high. And it's quite amazing, but where it took place is the way it is. So that'll change if we start to really sell off and the volume builds somewhere, shift down. And it's been shifting all day. As you can see here, this morning was down at 17,842, and then it shifted up to there. So these are just the different things that you can use. And then again, you're following price action, because what I'm also going to be watching, again, in a two-minute or even one-minute chart, is a candlestick. These are <clears throat> liquidation zones, right? One selling, one buying, so there's a port, but they can come in there and a seller can liquidate within that, um, can see where the market is moving up quickly, quickly. Oops. So 
there's just a lot of things that, that you build. And again, I'm saying this because when we're looking at someone such as it's following price act, it's following methodology, it's following what you're seeing, what the bigger players are willing to do. You're seeing what the algorithms will do. If this hits, it's going to go bing, bing, bing. Because if the uh, if the orders are big enough, that's what the algorithms. Um, so huh, using it intraday can put up Fibonacci. Again, let's just say, for example, here to here, we probably should put, put, up, put it there. But you can see now up. So, but you can put it in. If it goes above point, likely going to go this dot. Thing different. Fibs. Everything is using Tom doing. Well, now it's hitting six when it's right at point of control. I would expect the market to bounce around there a little bit. But if it goes through, I'm going to look for 1787 and then 100%, which is sitting. So that's what this would tell. Me. Probably not going to exceed that high just yet. If we do, what do I have? Now there, you see, I have 17,003 in the NASDAQ. So I've been looking for that all day. In fact, I'm kind of looking for it to complete somewhere in here. This particular pattern up. I'm looking for it to complete up. So eventually, I'm for it to break. I'm looking for it to break out. And again, does it, we could sit eternally because I move out these rangy. And and that makes sense. Because here, I watch, well, I can build my own intraday picture like previous presenter talked about. The Dow is down. The next up. The Russell is screaming, which is it gives you enough information to realize it's like, well, I guess money managers, portfolio managers, and hedge funds are moving money back into the small cap, mid cap. And that's what sits in the Russell. We've seen a lot of money move in to the tech. We see that the MAG7, which I'm sure all of you guys are well aware of, really is in control of the NASDAQ and the S. Within the NASDAQ, it's at seven stocks. Seven stocks are usually with can control up to 50% of the move of what's happening and 30% in the end. So that's a lot. That I think is pretty heavy. So now you can build trades around this too. And I'm looking for, it's like, yep, got some room, but I think we, or it could stop here. We come in another layer. I got two choices, but if I'm going to sell it, I want to see it come down and break. Then I might take, but again, you can build your trades and I can build them via the, the fibs. I can build them via moving averages. Depends on your time. Frame. What I was showing you before is you're taking a little bit longer view. You're looking at an hourly, a daily chart. So maybe your trading is not, you could be a swing trader in a way. Uh, but if you're a day trader, you, these are the, you're looking at these smaller time charts. And that's what you're, and when you get moves like this, whew, and, and like this, and let me just show you more there. These are all from this morning when the market started, when they started the buying at 17,825, they took them within a half hour. They took it up to 17,800. Catch that. From 22 to 92. That's NASDAQ. That's a big move. NASDAQ is $5 a tick, and a tick is 25 cents. But the NASDAQ doesn't. You'll see it's like, go ding, 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 just move. So it's not, a, and, and you saw that being then turned around and reflected within the SQs and the TQ. Again, previous presenter was SQs, and they move, move, and they are heavily. Heavily, humongous volume in both the SQ and the it's sort of, and, and like he was saying, those move in pennies, which may make it more and more interesting for a trader. Um, for me, I like the volatility and the dollar amount you can get in the futures. So it's twenty dollars a point, but it'll flip two, three, four, five, six, ten, ten dollars very, very quickly. And so, you know, if you're trading one contract, you know, you're looking at 120, 40, 60, 200 dollars very quickly. So, you know, it doesn't take much. And so, you can see that this touched 86 and 72.
$4, bing. Not that you could be able to catch that. It is kind of hard because it moves really fast, but it, it does move that part as well. Um, but back to using Fibonacci and Elliott again to charts. So flip my back over here. So it should, should show more. Of, and I'm gonna, so it, it kind of gives you just a that little bit of a bigger picture, but that's today in the S&P. It's a blurb, the chart today. Very, very side, but big enough moves. Now it depends on what type of a trader you again reflecting back on the previous presenter those are very fast quick quick trade demands your demands your ability to 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 work on a dome a super dome which is what he what you saw how quickly those prices move and then being able to balance it out against the book which is what he was showing the other side where arca is sitting and everybody else is sitting and then combining that with his time spent and or the development that he did on his trading system putting them all together and doing it now, the thing is, it's like, you know, it's, it's always easy to show somebody, but like somebody mentioned to me, it's like, well, that all seems a little bit more complex because it doesn't experience in as like, fair enough. So somebody could show you how much money they're making, but I think what comes behind all of that is like, well, I don't have 40 years. Of, and when you have that and you can combine it, it's going it, to, but if you're just starting and you see what people are doing, you're like, oh, I want to do that. And then you try and you end up losing a lot. Now, there are systems where it's like if you follow the system, but you see how fast. And that's what that market, every day it moves. So if you're not as quick as that, as these computers are, because that's what it is. Algorithms, throwing their orders out, all these execution, doing all the execution of the trade. The same thing we get <clears throat> when we're looking at options. I mean, something that I often talk about, again, is that, you know, we're looking at here, we're looking at the futures market, we're looking at cash, and we're developing a picture of what should happen unfold. Hourly chart, if you're day trading, an hour is forever. And I mean, that's a long-term trade for an hour. Because you're trading in a market where the risk is pretty, pretty high, unless you were to actually move into a day where <clears throat> it is just plain and simple, clean, that they're going to do nothing but. And there are, as you can see, there were days that's like that. They just turn it on. And those are normally days where fund managers, money managers, uh, portfolio managers, they're shifting. They're shifting a large amount of capital. They're moving capital back into a particular market, a particular sector, and up it goes. And so oh, you'll see it all day long. You see they come in they come, and they come in. So um, it's it's interesting. Um, I want to leave it open. If somebody has questions, yes, please go ahead and put them into the chat so I can address them. Otherwise, I think I will go over and I'm going to just review. We do trade the that's associated with that SQs. Sure. <clears throat> well, let me just show, let me just go over and just kind of, this is a market. Now, you saw how this, and by the way, this is the ultra short. So as the NASDAQ goes up, this goes down. And so this, this, this product has gigantic, we got 57 million. That's how many contracts have traded or how many shares of that. 57 million. Do you know most of the time it's 80? So it's, you know, like, do you see how it's moving? And the whole range of the day is 1157, 1139. Did you see how much was trading and moving in between? So it's, it's you just can see how on, on this picture, you're like, wow, I don't see that much movement. <clears throat> and then you go into and look at the SQs. In a dome, it does, I don't. So it's a little different. I can't pull up here, but I can trade the VIX. So, but here, let's just take a look. You see, oh, you, because that's what they do. A lot of people trade this way. And there's also times of the day, I'm going to tell you this to the day, where the market 
you're looking for a turn. You're looking for the sellers to move back in. This one, not uncommon. I also use an RSI and I use a, a MACD. Not much here. I have it on my other charts. And that tells me relative strength, but on a two-minute basis, a one-minute. I also cover gold. So I trade gold here as well. And there were some beautiful moves in gold today. But again, I start with an Elliott Wave count. And from that, <clears throat> I shrink it, shrink it, shrink it. That's what I was trying to show you before. Um, this is not moving as fast as I've seen it. But you see, if somebody comes in, right? Somebody comes in and sells it down to 83, somebody buys. So it's a $2 swing in about less, a couple of seconds. Bring it up, sell it. And what creates those moves? Creates those moves. Every time Apple trades, any of these stocks, the entire index and Q is recalculated anytime. So you'll find you got this push-pull going because NVIDIA is going up and Apple's going down. Microsoft is unchanged. If Microsoft starts to go down, it will, along with Apple, hold the whole index because they're the two heaviest-weighted stocks in the NASDAQ. So, and they're also the two heaviest-weighted stocks in the S&P. So regardless of what might be happening elsewhere, if those two stocks start to get really hit hard, it'll pull the index. If they start to get bought hard, it'll pull the index. And I mean, it'll just fly. So we were just looking at that dome and it was trading at 85. Well, now it's down $10 from. And what we see is like here we have what I watch, the tick, the tick ND, tick RL. That's the number of issues that are being bought or sold at that particular moment on the broader New York market, on the NASDAQ, right? So this number here can go from zero to 100 or zero to next because that's all there are. There are only 100 stocks and there are 2,000 stocks in the Russell. So that's a pretty small stocks. But again, we don't know which stocks they are or how big the orders are. We just know what's trading. And <clears throat> what am I? So even if I'm following here, now I've got my fibs coming back down. They should work, but they also have my moving. And so I can combine those and I day trade. So again, Elliott and Fibonacci, that how work, I'm going to go down. Can you imagine? This was actually, wasn't this during my time? Wow. 148, 11 point, that's seven cents per. It's a big move. A big move in this index, a two-minute chart. And it just, nothing really still with it. It just went down and made a new low at 40, and now it's trading 44. Some great stuff. So again, really? Um, I don't know why. I've not heard anybody else get here. It might be some on your side. Um, <clears throat> ah, anyway, I actually can continue just to look at some individual stocks just to talk about it. But I just, my use of Elliott, that's my big thing. And normally, I never run out of time. I can always run over time. But let me go over what my aunt is for the same concept. So again, what I was thinking of, very short term, that the, the market will top out at uh, 17,903 to 17,930, and then pull back again, two, three, pull back again in a four, and then start a fifth wave. I can come as third wave. And if I'm looking for this one, that I think will be surpassed. And that moves it up to, this is in the NASDAQ, 18,037. But before that, I have 18,015. I'll round it up. And then I've got my 1.236, which is regular B wave in the NASDAQ, coming in at 18,000, higher level. So I've got a cluster between 18,250 and 18, and that could be pretty strong and double 18,060. So it raises the bar a little bit that the market to top out between 18,258. So it's about a 30 point range. And then I do that really quick. Really? STR. Okay. I'll take a look. Sure. What micro strategy? Ah, start with going the weekly 1323, and then it lived through all of that debacle and it double bottomed at 131. 131. That's a good question. Now, two, and it gets, but I would say that this is working on five and the correction likely going to take out that now. Sorry. So, right now, it's, it has bumped up against the 50% retracement, this retracing that. And if it breaks above that, then you can look for 863.30. That may 
produce where we get another lower. So if we're going to consider that this is the first leg down, so maybe this is an A wave and we're in a B wave up, we're going to come in here, maybe as high as there. First it would be between here and here. And then you're going to, so again, if you're looking at the larger picture in the uh, cryptos, particularly Bitcoin, um, the thing that they're going to, this would also, so that would be my quick answer. Somebody also asked a question, was like, what is the learning curve for Elliott Wave? Um, the, to learn the basics really doesn't take that long and applying them also doesn't. In fact, you can use, there are a lot of charting services that you can use where you can, you can start to draw that. Like right here, this would be an ABC type. Just say that I don't use this one. There So if we're going to label this one, two, four, and we're working, we can put it up. So you you can use other services that will help you count it out real quick. What would what affects the learning curve is understanding the five. There is one basic pattern for M1, 2, 3, 4, 5. That's it. So and wave two corrects wave one and wave four corrects wave three. There are about five rules that you don't you learn those rules. One of them being wave two cannot cannot exceed the starting point of wave one. Pretty logical, right? If wave two is correct in wave one, it can't go beyond the starting point because then it's wave four cannot overlap the price territory of wave one because it's what it's doing. It's correcting wave three. Well, if it comes down and overlaps wave one, well, then it's not it's no longer correcting wave three. The exception is, is in a triangle pattern. So, and these are all made very clear. So there's the, if you can just follow the basic rules. Also, another basic rule is that within an impulse move, one, two, three, four, five, waves one, three, and five are the actual impulse, two and four corrective. So out of that, wave three is most often the longest and the strongest. But the rule is that wave three cannot be the shortest one out of waves one, three, and five within that impulse. If it is, then you're not labeling it, and you'll likely find that you've made a mistake. And how do I compensate for its weakness? I don't know necessarily if you if the, the compensating for the weaknesses of Elliott Wave. I don't know if Elliott Wave is necessarily showing weaknesses as much as it is showing that that the analyst needs to understand the market that that it's applying it to, and that what are the quirks of the market and I will say to compensate for the weaknesses, if you want to term it that way, I have noticed that there are now extensions that are kind of coming in that, that I would not necessarily be expecting. And then also just that some of the wave patterns is getting real or, or we're seeing more uh, triangle type pattern. And you'll find them if you go back far enough, you'll start to learn that a lot of those are coming in because of just where the market is. So again, I'm counting cycle degree fourth wave, that that cycle degree fourth wave began January of 2022. So we're already two years, two years into this correction. And we are maybe midway because we're getting ready to complete the B wave. So we still have a C wave to do. But my experience with it tells me that C waves can be pretty quick and pretty fast and just get it done. And why? Well, because oftentimes they're going to be there's going to be a catalyst behind it. And in this case, I'm looking for a C wave down. Well, what could really create some havoc in our market? Well, boy, we thank you. We have a humongous, humongous list of things that we could choose from. Well, what could kick this market? And I don't have enough. But I want to thank you all for listening. Um, and thank you, David, for giving me a few extra minutes here. 
that all works out. But I'm going to turn it back over to David because I know that there has to be a transition between me and the next person coming. Uh, you're very welcome. And again, thank you all. Um, I'm sure David's going to put up us how to get a hold of me if you have any questions. Um, what I do also do, folks, is that I do operate a trade room and I've just shifted it over to Discord. So uh, I am looking to expand it uh, pretty dramatically. And I have a few people within that are that are in the trade room with me uh, as moderators and presenters. So it's going to get very, very interesting. If you want more information, you can contact me by sending an email to Michael at mjf the number one partners.com and um i always answer my emails but i have a trade room i also do a daily update and i put that on youtube and if you go to tradershelpingtraders.com or just traders helping traders within youtube you then just look for my name uh you will find me my, those are free if you can sit through the they do put i do put ads on them actually youtube does um but there's no cost to again thank you very much david